Welcome. Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner. Now I'm joined in our Southern Illinois studios with our producer, Mason, and also joining us from his studio cave somewhere in the St. Louis metropolitan area is Sean Campbell. How are you guys doing this week? Oh, doing just great. Uh, very excited to uh, discuss the uh, the radio static that we've gotten in the <laughs> the last week uh, regarding uh, the club information. Yeah, we'll go into that a little bit. And Sean, how are you finding spending those gam dollars you got for your transfer at the supermarket? Oh, um, they're 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 going about as far as two quarters. It's it's not going very far. Oh, do we have a big show for you this week? At least we've got more stuff to talk about than just MLS Next Pro, which is about as radio silent as UVB seventy six. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, kids, look it up. I assume you're on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, notably, the Russian woodpecker has not been radio silent lately. <laughs> but before you go and look that up, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your podcaster of choice and uh, take a moment to rate and review the show. It really helps us out. We also encourage you to get in touch with us. Any questions, comments, odd thoughts, you can go ahead and send them at soccercapital at gmail.com or send us a DM or just put them on Twitter. We're at at Soccer Capital. First thing to start off this week's show, let's talk a little bit of what we can about what's going on with our own St. Louis City SC. Uh, there's news out there that uh, St. Louis City SC has signed former MLS player Josh Yarrow, played last year with the San Diego Loyal. This is not official from City, though we have heard word of this both from the player and from the San Diego Loyal, uh, information on Wikipedia, and you know how trustworthy that can be, but it says that he is actually a St. Louis City SC player who's going to be on loan this season to City 2. Yeah, that, that information on Wikipedia is completely unsighted. We have almost nothing about, we know almost nothing about this deal. No, that's pretty much all we have right now. Uh, there's no information, but that's kind of going all, all along with what we have on MLS Next Pro. We do know they said that they will start up play officially for this professional league in March. Uh, their website has no clickable links to any information that we can find. There's no schedule. Well, at least we know what City 2's coaching staff's going to be. We have a full list of that. We have no rosters. We do have some information that's come in from opposing teams, promoting upcoming games they have against City uh, in the preseason leading up to the season for MLS Next Pro. Uh, there will be a game February 11th versus FC Cincinnati that will be played in Clearwater, Florida. Now, I don't think they're taking the team down for a one-off game in Clearwater, Florida. I got a feeling there's a training camp going on down there in the warm weather. Just my thought, but uh, it seems kind of silly to play Cincinnati and Florida. Both teams travel, you know, for vacation and some time in the sun. Louisville City has put out that there is a March 5th game in St. Louis against City 2, as we're calling the MLS Next Pro Team. Uh, they said on Twitter 
Louisville City said that the game, they confirmed that the game will be open to the public. Venue is not known. Time is not known. Verification from city is non-existent. We have no information on this. And uh, there's also news that there's a to-be-announced match that they will do in their preseason against SLU. Uh, no other information on that at all. This is very curious and worrisome. I mean, we're weeks away from this league starting, and we have no information from the league or from the club about anything. I don't understand. For MLS, it's not exactly surprising that they would want to keep a lot of this stuff under wraps. Um, it, or, you know, just through, you know, just, you know, large company mismanagement, it kind of just got lost in the jumble. Who knows? For the club to go dark on all of this this close when they have been pretty readily available with information is surprising and alarming. But there's nothing much from other teams other than a sprinkling of news coming out. It makes me wonder if it's coming from MLS Next Pro that this, you know, moratorium on any news is overall league-wide. I mean, we have nothing. Their website's in black and white, for crying out loud. (laughs) Uh, We have nothing. Just don't know what's going on at all. And they've made a big deal about this and pushed it. City has talked about it a lot, how important it is in the development before they head in their first season. Very curious. You really wonder why. Why would this all be like kept so quiet? Nobody's talking about it. A complete media blackout almost. Was it rushed and stuff's not ready or like what's what's the reasoning for keeping this all under wraps like this? Yeah, even the uh, that we talked about the roster rules that uh, last week's show that has come out. That was simply a report by Jeff Reuter of The Athletic in which he had got hold of uh, from sources information that was uh, disseminated amongst the teams in the league. There's been no official announcement from the league, from the teams, anything supporting or denying this. Absolute radio silence. I don't understand it. This is not an academy in which you don't want a lot of pressure on the kids. This is a tier three professional league uh, in which you're developing players to come up to the first team. So you want fans and you want attention. That's part of the training as well as what goes on the pitch. Why all this silence? I don't understand. I really can't. Conspiracies, perhaps. But I'm not big on those, so I'd rather not start. The only thing I can possibly fathom is that it was rushed and stuff's not ready and they're scrambling to get it done. But then why would there have been this big announcement and like to get everyone really hyped up for it if you're if it's not ready to go and you're going to have to crunch for it. And it wasn't rushed. They announced this a year ago. Then what then what all this scramble and panic and blackout for? Like I don't get it. <laughs> unless the league has come up with ideas that MLS owners don't like for whatever reason. That I can see. Otherwise, I don't have any uh, ideas for you. Do you have any thoughts, Sean? I mean, to me, the only thing I can even think of is you know they're going with few and far between announcements just so that when something does happen people are like chomping at the bit for it 
But at the same time, like, we don't have schedules. We don't have rosters for most of the teams because, you know, well, we have some rosters for some of the teams. We don't have anything for our team because we're just, we're brand new. We don't even have any, I don't know anybody that's on Rochester. How are you going to sell tickets to games? Are you just expecting people to show up and pay at the gate? How are they going to know where to show up, when to show up, and how much money to bring? Like, it, it just seems like a very poorly planned out thing, and it, it's very disconcerting and and disappointing, honestly. That is the biggest thing, is it's disappointing to see this from a supposed professional league that's basically a child of the MLS, and they're dropping the ball this hard. Like, is all the progress we've made this last several years for nothing? Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. I imagine here as City fans, we're probably chomping the bit a lot harder than any other MLS club. Rochester probably is chomping the bit. Uh, at the bit a bit on this, but because um, we just want to see some live soccer, see what's going on. But, you know, SKC 2, Red Bulls 2, they have followings. A lot of these teams in USL had followings. And now we got nothing. It's like behind the Iron Curtain. I, It's odd. We actually have more information about EMLS than we have about MLS Next Pro. We have a lot more information about MLS Next, non-pro. Uh, the Academy will start March 12th for the second half of the season against uh, Soccer FC at Creepcore Park. That's at 9 a.m. Uh, they will also have a game the following day against uh, FC United at Creepcore Park. Uh, St. Louis Scott Gallagher. We'll flip those two teams, road trip. Uh, they will play at 2 p.m. on the 12th against FC United and play the following day against Soccer's FC. So we do have that from the Academy and MLS next. It's just the pro part that we've got amateur PR. I mean, if they want people chomping at the bit, I've worked in marketing. This is absolutely the worst way to go about that. Yeah, no, you don't give them absolutely nothing. You give them tidbits. You give them teasers. You give them, like like Sean said, schedules, baits, prices, anything. Something for them to get excited about, make plans for. Yeah. Heck, not just. Talk about. You don't just go to ground. At this point, at this point, I'd be even I'd be happy if we even got one of those stupid lazy ape pictures for just being a fan of the team. Like, that's more than what they're giving us at this point. We don't even have an NFT. How about a, how about a website with color? <laughs> can't even can't even upcharge for the for the three color ink cartridge there, bud. <laughs> I I'm not really going to slam the the like by committee website design that doesn't really have anything to do with this. This is a failure of at the very least marketing and PR. I have a feeling it's a failure of management as well. I have a feeling it's a failure of the ownership of the teams in MLS. Somebody's raising a stink about something and throwing a monkey wrench in the works. I have a feeling. I said I wouldn't go get into conspiracy theories, but somewhere along the line, somebody's not liking something and they're delaying. Are they going to wait till after the start of the MLS season? Why? It's going to take away the thunder from the MLS regular season? Hardly. Why the shutdown? 
You know, can we have the name of the team for crying out loud? That'd be nice. I don't know. And, of course, we're recording on Tuesday afternoon. It'll all be announced on Wednesday when this drops. You'll all know everything that we know nothing right now when we're talking. That's the way it goes in this business. We understand how the game is played. What we have here is a failure to communicate. (laughs) To whoever is writing this script, we get it. You know what dramatic irony is. (laughs) But enough about that, because it's been a lot of talk about nothing. We'll go ahead and move on from something I am not calm about, but all the other fans are, to a subject in which I'm pretty calm about, but everyone else is incredibly uptight. Yes, it's the U.S. men's national team and the upcoming World Cup qualifying window. That starts Thursday. They have a game against El Salvador in a, you know, tropical Venue for January of Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Going on a trip to uh, to sunny Columbus, Ohio with you and 22,000 of your closest friends. Then on Sunday, January 30th, they play Canada in Hamilton, Ontario. Surprise, Canada didn't put it in Yellowknife or something like that. And the U.S. did about the same by uh, scheduling Wednesday, February 2nd's game uh, against Honduras. In, uh, I believe it's in St. Paul is uh, where Allianz Field is for the uh, for the loons up there. Thursday's game will be at 6 p.m. is the time listed on ESPN2 and ESPN+. I believe 6 p.m. is the start of the pregame on ESPN+. The other broadcast on cable will be on ESPN2 at 6.30 for the kickoff. Big news for this window is CONCACAF has discovered something new, bright, and shiny. Wait, 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 wait. Let me guess. Let me guess. I'll take, um, let me take better refs for a thousand. Can we award half credit? Judges say, eh, thanks for playing. <laughs> no, in, in lieu of better refs, they're going to give video assistant to the referee. Yes, Oh, that's the same thing. That's the same thing. It's literally a referee. It's in the name. <laughs> you said better. You didn't say more. Ah, uh, that's fair. I <laughs> uh, got you on semantics. Isn't that always the way? Now, uh, for the first time in the World Cup qualifying windows, yes, we will have VAR this window and the next one in March. Uh, word is that CONCACAF, because so many leagues in CONCACAF, the on-field officials have no idea how, never dealt with it, that they had to do training. The pandemic held back that training. They weren't ready to implement it back in September. They think they're ready now. Better or worse? We'll see. Uh, it's CONCACAF. But maybe those, uh, you know, Mexico players grabbing Brendan Aronson by his eye and trying to pull the top of his head off might get more than a yellow card, but I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to not see this as a good thing. It just seems kind of silly that it's being implemented like now at like towards the end of qualifying. But this is also going to carry through into CCL uh, future World Cup qualifyings. U20s, the women's, all of that. 
it's a good thing that we're getting VAR. It's just it feels at the very least silly to put it in in the middle of World Cup qualifying and at worst damning of previous previous games played during previous windows. Now, if they had it in 2014, or excuse me, in 2018, the U.S. very well may have gone to the World Cup. There was a phantom goal and a lot of crazy stuff that went on the end of those games. If they had it, U.S. probably would have went to the World Cup. U.S. should have took take care of business, but could have saved the blushes that come from, you know, giving a goal that didn't happen. Yeah, but at the same time, this... This seems like about as smooth of a walk back as the Tin Man trying to do his best Michael Jackson impression. It's <laughs> it's just not working. It's not working. Yeah. It's good that we have it now, but you still look really silly. You look really goofy. Yeah, better than nothing only goes so far. If it saves a big mistake, it's worth it. I'm certainly not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing, but... Why Why now? Why here? You almost should have just left it out of this of qualifying until the end. Put it in for CCL for I don't know. But yeah, we've given way too much time to this because the big news is this is a hugely important window for the U.S. men's national team. They got three winnable games, really. Uh, two that they really have to win and should win. And it would be unforgivable if they don't, that being at home against El Salvador and at home against winless Honduras. Uh, Canada in Hamilton is still also a winnable game. Even though a draw in Canada played them earlier, the U.S. has gotten better and better as the kids have played more and got more used to it and gotten them more in shape there's a very winnable possibility for all of these games. And it's a big deal because the next window is at Costa Rica, at Mexico, and a home game against Panama, who's hanging around and complicating things for us. Yeah. This this is kind of like a like a do-or-die window. Um, a little can't, harsh. Can't, yeah, I mean, it, it's not so it's not that dire. We're in second place in the octagonal. We're not exactly in any danger, but yeah, we need to get at least seven points here yeah. to be to be anywhere, to anywhere even near sitting pretty. We should. If you're going to go to the World Cup, if you are, this goes to talents that's on this roster and we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, you should get at least seven points. And you should qualify. Everything's there. It's the automatic qualifying. If you're in the top three, you qualify automatically. If you're the fourth place team, you have to play that play-in game against the winner of Oceania, which is probably more than likely New Zealand. COVID is an issue. Uh, U.S. bringing a big roster. Uh, Busio is out because of COVID. Uh, Alfonso Davies is out for Canada. Because of complications and a heart problem brought on that's related to COVID, supposedly minor. Stephen Astikio, who just moved to Porto, is limited by COVID for Canada. Thinking that he will play against the U.S., but he's been a little out of fitness. See how that works. There were rumors that Panama had been ravaged by COVID 
uh, Federation says that that's not true. Panama's a big one to watch in this window. They've got to go to Costa Rica, home game against Jamaica, and go to Mexico. So if the U.S. can get seven points, Panama might only get, what, four? Thinking out of this, that could really put them in a bad position. That would really help the U.S. if that's the case. Panama's playing pretty well. Costa Rica isn't. But if Panama can get points in Costa Rica, then in the next window, the U.S. should be able to go to Costa Rica and pick up points where it's been historically darn near impossible for the U.S. to get points down there. U.S. has brought a big roster. Uh, always complaints, usually silly ones. You know, really debating over who should have been the 24th man on the roster and willing to fight someone over it on Twitter. It's just incredible. Uh, but there's four goalkeepers listed, which I found curious, but it looks to be advantageous. Uh, you got Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, uh, Sean Johnson, and Gabriel Solinia of the Chicago Fire were listed. Zach Steffen has not yet traveled. He has a stiff back. He is questionable about playing in any of these games. So bringing four goalkeepers, apparently Burhalter had some information that Stefan was having some fitness concerns, and uh, it's playing out so far. We'll see how that goes. Interesting for the defenders, there's only one listed left back on this roster, Anthony Robinson. Dest can play there, but Dest is going to start on the right when Robinson's playing. Guess he can cover, but who's going to rest? Looks like somebody's playing three games here. My guess is on Robinson start starting all three. Yeah, could be. Uh, you could also rest Dest, uh, as he hasn't been playing a lot for Barcelona. Did recently play, but has not been playing, so he's not that match fit. So you got Reggie Cannon, Brooks Lennon, uh, DeAndre Yedlin, all there to back him up. So you could see some playing with uh, time. Subbing in, subbing out, even if Death starts all three games. In the back, you've got Miles Robinson and uh, Walker Zimmerman. Pretty locked in right now. Chris Richards is here and Mark McKenzie. There's somebody missing. We'll go over that in a bit. In the midfield, you got the uh, MMA. You've got McKinney, Musa, and Adams. They'll be here. Expect to see a lot of them. You got Kellen Acosta. He's been the only one we've found to really possibly back up Adams in that deep-lying defensive midfield position. Sebastian Legette, Christian Roldan, and uh, Luca De La Torre gets a call-in. Uh, Nobusio, as we mentioned, he's out. He had uh, COVID. For the forwards, we got Pulisic. We've got Weya. Brandon Aronson's here. Jordan Morris comes back to the team. Paul Ariola is in, Ricardo Pepe up front, Giassi Zardes, and Jesus Ferreira also bring up the forwards. Talented team. It's a good team here. Team good enough to get the seven to nine points we want. But there is no John Brooks. That's interesting. Uh, Berhalter was asked about it. He said it came down to form. Perhaps. Brooks earlier on did not play well for the men's national team. 
Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman have played very, very well. I think what it comes down to is Brooks hasn't been the best for club or country this year. He's gotten beat out for that position, and Burhalter just doesn't want to fly him over across to have him sit on the bench because your corners, your center backs can play all three games at that position. There's no Joe Scally of uh, Gladbach. He started off the year very well. He's kind of tailed off. He's still talented. Could have backed up left or right at that, uh, you know, left back, right back position. He's tailed off a little bit. He's 18 years old. Maybe Berhalter wants him to stay with his team. I don't know. No Josh Sargent. You know, right after this was announced, and you probably saw it, St. Louis's own Josh Sargent had one heck of a goal for Norwich in the uh, Premier League. That back heel, that scorpion kick off of that cross. It was beautiful. Thing of beauty. Off the uh, crossbar in. Got a second one. He had a brace. Happened after this was called up. Now everybody's wondering why Berhalter didn't call in Sargent. Well, before he scored those goals, nobody wanted to see Sargent called in. I don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, and no Jordan Peefock, who's really been tearing it up in the Swiss League for young boys. Mm. Yeah, I just don't think Burhalter in Burhalter's system uh, thinks that Peefock does the little things that he wants to see done in his system. Otherwise, I don't know. And there's countless other ones that on Twitter that we're whined about that really aren't even worth mentioning. I mean, we got the golden boy back, so. Yeah, Pulisic. Uh, good news on Giovanna Reina. Not here. Uh, Borussia Dortmund says that he will start, be back and playing after the international break. Might have played, got some training before this break. They probably just didn't want to release him because he got injured on international duty. He hasn't played anything anywhere since September. No, you don't bring him back and let him go to international duty. You hold him back. You start playing him when you come back. That's how everybody does it. Uh, limited travel. I mean, it's Columbus to Ontario to Minneapolis. Canada has to go down to El Salvador, back up, and back down to, uh, well, they go down to Honduras, back up to Hamilton, back down to uh, El Salvador. They got a lot of travel. U.S. could have limited squad rotation in this series. The MLS guys are out of season, but all entirety of January, these guys have been in camp training on the style of play. So they're least worked out, know what's going on. So that's a lot of reason why there's so many MLS players on a roster when they're off season. They've been training with the team this whole month. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's probably a good thing that we are kind of just having like our boys go on like a little Great Lakes road trip as opposed to uh, Canada, who's flying like halfway across the hemisphere and back and then back again. Yeah. And U.S. is staying cold in all this. Is that a good thing? Kind of limits our flair and playability. El Salvador has spent a week in Indianapolis already accustomed, getting accustomed to the cold. So it's not really probably going to affect him that much. 
other than they're not as good and they're on the road. Honduras, we don't know. It should be a walkover. Don't understand why they're playing in the cold weather, though the travel's very short. I mean, there's minimal travel uh, for the team in this window. Any other thoughts about uh, this World Cup qualifying window from you guys? Well, I definitely think looking at this roster, looking at the games we've got, um, if we don't see much roster rotation in this window, I wouldn't be surprised if this is, you know, that starting 11 that we see if it doesn't rotate. If it doesn't rotate, that's important. Um, if it doesn't and we see the same 11 run out all three games, I would put put some money on, like $5 maximum. But that's probably what we're going to see come World Cup once we actually get to the tournament. Um, just because this is the time where you're coming down into crunch time, you need your big players to actually come out and show why they're big players. Uh, I think that's part of why we don't see Sargent, why we're not seeing PFOC, uh, and, and no Scally. They're, they're younger guys. They've got time to develop. Why keep pushing them into this... In, in, you know, in the tough situations when you've got the, the roster that we have and the depth that we have, the absolute just wealth of depth that we have at this point start focusing in this second to last window on the team you're going to bring to the tournament when you're sitting at a point where you're looking at the window then as long as you get the points you need that's probably the roster you're going to see run out that first game in group play and an interesting thing Canada's even more reliant on MLS players than the U.S. is they were going to use January and train in Florida but because of Omicron and COVID that was scrapped. So they didn't get that camp that the U.S. has. Uh, they've got their European players. They're missing Alfonso Davies. Uh, so how much of a difference that make? Teams are pretty close. If it makes a little bit of difference, that could be the tipping point. And the U.S. is better than Canada than they were when they played Canada. Canada is a lot more confident and probably better than they were then, too. Mm-hmm. It's all these little things that kind of add up. I think we're going to do well this this window. We've got our boys going on our Great Lakes road trip, uh, you know, the Canada travel and also missing their camp. And then, like Sean said, both with the limited travel and coming to the end of qualifying. It's possible that we might see the A team with a few rotations run out all three games. Yeah. And, and you know what's important? Score early. Jump out. Don't wait until the end to score as they've done. Get on these teams. I mean, El Salvador and Honduras, uh, that's a rivalry. And right in the middle of this window, they play that rivalry. So they'll be looking at that. They also get Canada at home. They'll be looking at that game. They're pretty much both out of it. Traveling the U.S. and playing in the cold, how much of a fight are they really going to be there? Come out. Score. Get the guys off the field after 60 minutes. Rest them. Rotate. Get that done. Let's get the points and get out of this window and try to cruise through the last of it and not have to get three in Mexico and not have to get three in Costa Rica. Now for something completely different. Got a little MLS news, and this has been, well, the craziest offseason for transfers in MLS history, bar none. MLS is definitely now a part of the international transfer market, both for players coming in and going out. 
the numbers are much bigger in quantity than we've ever seen. Uh, talent moving in, moving out is also higher than we've seen. So this is very exciting. Starts to really get exciting for uh, teams of fans in MLS. There's a real opportunity to see exciting things in the future here. Uh, a lot of movement this week, and it's still ongoing as we speak, but uh, we got most of it covered up till, you know, Tuesday night's recording. And here to go over some of the bigger names is Sean Campbell. This week in Transfer Cave News, uh, we're going to start off with the big one here. It uh, looks like Kasper Shabilko is moving to Chicago Fire FC from Philly. Really, really odd to see him moving on from Philly after they had such a great year and, you know, Chicago Fire finally making a big old splash for the number of one, 1.15 in allocation money. Chicago Fire is shaping up to look like a dangerous team next year, that's for sure. And Philly, who knows who they'll bring in to replace him. They're working on it from rumors I've seen. They got a couple of names. Shibilko likes to play coming off and coming in. I think in the system they have in the fire, I do think Shabilko's got a real chance to make a difference for that team. We'll see how it goes going forward. Yeah, this is one of those things I talked about that uh, Chicago needed to do other than just rebranding again to try to get things moving. So <laughs> I would love to hear how uh, Tia Luis here feels about this one. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but this definitely seems like a big, a big play for the fire. They they finally have someone that they know can go for goal and put the ball in the net. Uh, because for those that don't didn't look at the stats, he was Casper Shabilko was in top three I believe in goals scored last year in MLS and was really pushing hard for that golden boot almost had it almost but uh but yeah fire looking looking hot and heavy for next year that's for sure there's also rumors rumors and these are really far out but Jordan Shakiri, uh the fire hydrant plays for the Swiss team it's been on duty play for uh, Liverpool or Arsenal uh, very exciting player when he's on his game isn't very often. There's rumors he might be coming to Chicago. Keep an eye on that. Next up, we got another big transfer for the price of $1 million in, in allocation money. Maxime Crepo goes over to LAFC. They also gave up a 2025 Super Draft pick and some conditional GAM, which, based off of goals and incentives, we'll see how that goes. LAFC is really sweeping up some great pieces and hopefully for their sake, this will, you know, give them a little bit more consistency going into next year. And they might actually push for a playoff spot, get the playoff spot. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what the white caps do to respond to this one. Cause Crapo was very important to their push for that playoff spot. And LAFC in their whole history, the biggest hole they've had is not top quality goalkeeping. This fills that hole that they really needed. And uh, there was some rumors going around this that Cripo really needed to get out of, uh, of Vancouver. For personal or professional reasons, I don't know. But uh, he was itching to get out, so they got to cover that. Cripo, of course, is the uh, starting goalkeeper for the Canadian uh, men's national team. 
Next on list of uh, of of big signings. This one's a, an extension more so than a transfer. But uh, Jesus Ferrero signed Ferrera. Sorry, not Ferrero. Uh, Ferrera signs a nice extension with FC Dallas and is now officially a designated player, which means they can pay him more than anybody else on the team, and they only get a certain number of spots for those that aren't familiar with the DP slots. But I think the biggest part of this is FC Dallas has finally decided to hold on to one of their amazing academy product produced players and i have to wonder have have they been listening to our podcast do they do they listen to our opinions and like maybe we should hold on to some talent for once uh uh, also ferrera himself said that uh more than looking for the transfer early on he really wanted to commit since he was in the system he's looking to commit to dallas to make them better so take it as you will. <laughs> They're keeping one of one of the best players that they've, that they've produced out of their academy as appeasement. <laughs> That'd be a hot take and it'd be a bold strategy, Cotton, but I think it's going to work out for him. I think so. He's still very young, like 21 or so. He's an under 22 player uh, getting a DP, probably at a salary that can be bought down to TAM later. They're making some moves. Uh, he's pretty good without Pepe. He's not a full-on striker. He plays off the striker. They need somebody up front, and Francisco Hara just hasn't done it. Uh, so we'll see where they go. But they're making moves like they haven't done in the past, and smarter moves. They've made a lot of moves, but they haven't been very smart. See how it goes. Looks like they're taking a note from their logo and actually going on, going on like a rampaging bull with this one. But uh, moving on to the next big moment movement, we've got NYCFC selling Jesus Medina to CSKA Moscow. And for those that don't know, Moscow is actually a fairly perennial competitor in the European European competitions for clubs that are cross country. But it's looking like NYCFC is just selling all their assets at this point. They're, they just seem to be moving players like it's nobody's business, taking the money and running and not really keeping up any chance of a title defense. I think that's kind of their plan. They got the win out of the team. There's talent here. Medina's talented. I'm not sure if he really kicked on with NYCFC as much as we thought he would. Uh, but, you know, they're moving him on. Probably making a profit. They've got other people in the pipeline. They keep bringing them in. Uh, and Tate Castellanos, man, there's a lot of people after him all over the world, especially in South America for fairly big price. Uh, still waiting on, he, he's the next big name to drop and probably the next big number and he'll be gone as well, but they got their title before the Red Bulls did. Yeah. So they'll always have that. <laughs> they got the first uh, NYC <laughs> title. Oh, man. But yeah, you kind of got to remember that NYCFC is not the flagship franchise for the ownership group. They <laughs> they are not at all. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, sure, like it seems like they're just selling off assets left and right. But how much does Citigroup really care that about NYCFC when they've got Manchester to take care of? And these these, these are good business deals. Uh, I haven't looked at the numbers on Medina. But going to Moscow is a pretty good deal. Not only if they made money or not, 
like you said, they were always playing in Europe in CSK Moscow. They've got a name. So you start getting transfers internationally. The other clubs around the world notice that stuff. MLS is, this is all happening because proof of concept. Some teams make trades, they work out. Others make trades, they really work out, like Alfonso Davies. And it just builds and builds and builds. MLS is getting proof of concept. That's why we're seeing the market move. The teams are willing to trade in MLS. That makes a big difference, make transfers. It's just, a, it's systemic, not linear. We'll, keep, we'll see it keep growing, I assume, can only assume. Yeah, and it definitely speaks to just how competitive this league is, that players are doing well here, getting spotted by by teams and countries far off that most people in this league don't even watch their leagues. And now one of their favorite players is going to be playing over there. Better publicity for everybody. But it, it just proves that this league has really come a long way. For There's sure. talent here that is at a discount on the international market. There's that kind of talent here that other teams want them. And they're going to come looking for them because they can get something to put on their roster at a discount. MLS has really, really improved its game on the field in the last five years and keeps getting better quite a bit every year. Looks like next year is going to be the same. Oh, yeah, definitely trending upwards. And uh, as far as I'm not necessarily sure discount is the right word, but young talent goes we got a couple transfers in under the u22 initiative coming in uh sporting kansas city goes out and signs cypress international marion zionis i hope i pronounced that right Z- zionis. I, I would say zionis yeah u22 initiative signing he's played in all three of the major uefa competitions he's only 20 years old it, he has 15 goals in 89 games uh so as as a winger that's pretty pretty darn good for his 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 club um and especially with Polito being out for the season and Gotti Kinda being out for quite for an extended period of time it's going to be nice to have some you know some attacking talent up there to help out Johnny Russell and the Hungarian assassin sorry my bias is showing um but what is of note is the club he's coming from Omonia Nicosa Won the Cyprus League last year. That is important. He knows how to win trophies. That's always important to bring into. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. Don't know the quality. Not even the Greek League. So it's uh, the uh, Cypriot League. He Obviously, he's a talent if they spotted him, bring him in with a U-22. That's what the initiative's for. Uh, let's see if uh, what happens under Vermes. Vermees is real good about going and getting those discount Europeans, bringing them in, making them great, and selling them on. <coughs> Tom Dwyer. Yep. Tom Dwyer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Continuing on with but this. What would you know? Oh, it's it's not like I've been watching them for a few years or anything. Oh, wait. <laughs> but continuing on with the U22 initiative signings, Inter-Miami actually brings somebody in to the club instead of moving on their assets. And they get a loan deal for the Wolves forward Leonardo Campana. It may be Campania. I, I'm not 100% sure on that. But they bring him in after they signed Emerson Rodriguez, also a U22 signing. Their, their attacking three is looking pretty solid because they do also have Higuain. Yes, Gonzalo Higuain, that one. And the best part about this deal to me 
is the fact that he has U.S. citizenship. So they're getting around having to use an international slot to get him in there. So they're they're being in the rules this time as opposed to causing problems. Yeah, notice all these smart moves they're making, utilizing the U-22 to shave off uh, with their loss of TAM, to shave off their budget hits. They got a new GM, Chris Henderson, who came from Seattle. Probably a smart hire. <laughs> well, Inter-Miami's always been crafty. They're just, they're staying, <laughs> they're staying mostly within the lines now. They're crafty in the hustle. <laughs> it's almost as if, you know, they're, they're wheeling and dealing in the business world. Like, you know, who's, who's their owner again? Isn't that uh, a famous crafty, <laughs> you know, individual? I don't know. He may be, I think he's married to one of the Spice Girls. I don't know. I could be wrong. I may be dating myself there about? too. <laughs> he had a hell of a free kick, if I recall. I yeah, mean, and like half his corner kicks were out of bounds before they even got into the box. But that's another story for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, who's watching? Uh, but no, like Inter Miami's always done moves like this. Like, okay, let's go find like a decent, like a, a decent to good international player who also has U.S. citizenship, so we don't use up an international slot. Uh, you know, moves like that. It's just that like they're coloring inside the lines mostly now instead of like outside of them <laughs> they're they're coloring like an eight-year-old instead of a five-year-old <laughs> no i think their business has been awfully good i think chris henderson's doing an absolutely unbelievable job with what he was handed with the mess there he's pulling some he's, he's pulling got some armstrong a lot moves. of that tam back uh already he's moved a lot of people off we haven't even mentioned nicholas figal Getting people that weren't playing or weren't very good, getting them off, bringing in younger players. I think he's doing just a great job, at least now. Let's see how it plays on the field. But roster build, fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's certainly done a done an admirable job of cleaning up the mess. Um, But I don't think that this is exactly like, oh, like what a brilliant like stroke of strategy out of nowhere for Inter-Miami. No, this is exactly the kind of move that Inter-Miami would have done under previous leadership. No, no. They just, no, they've just the done a lot smart or smartly. This is the stuff they should have done their first season and did not. He's doing what they should have done the first season, but now he's hamstrung under the rules. Uh, it's almost like they learned from their mistakes or something. <laughs> moving off Robertson for all that Tam to make up for the whole season worth of the fine was a brilliant stroke. Red Bulls really bailed him out, got room to move, utilizing the U-22s, not overspending. Excellent work. Speaking of Nicholas Fagal, though, part of that fire sale that we have been mentioning, he leaves for Boca Juniors for the sweet, sweet price of $2.7 million. And I... I the, the Southern American teams are just absolutely poaching, absolutely poaching talent for their teams at this point. Yeah, that uh, it, it really shows. And who's poaching them? Boca Juniors, River Plate, Palmeiras. You got Club America coming in for Areola. Uh, MLS is a swinging in the big leagues in the Western Hemisphere now. And you get movement in and out. Uh, I think right now MLS is taking it more on the chin of the transfer fees. 
but they're doing a pretty good job of getting them young in the MLS in MLS and shipping them over to Europe for a higher fee. Uh, that's really being attractive to the Argentines, Venezuelans, uh, Peruvians. They're going to be looking at that and looking Uruguayans, Paraguayans, looking at MLS as a way to get to Europe. Speaking of Uruguayans, we have Orlando FC come Orlando City coming in. And uh, they signed Facundo, Facundo Torres from Peñarol for $7.5 million on the transfer fee with $1.5 in conditional transfer money. Another U-22 signing. And you know who else came from Peñarol to the MLS? Diego Rossi. Look him up if you don't already know who he is. And uh, Brian Rodriguez as well. Of course, Rossi had more success. Rodriguez has a lot of talent. Both of them from, come from Penarol. And uh, according to Andrew Wiebe on Extra Time Radio, uh, Fagundo Torres uh, said that uh, what really kick-started his career was getting help from the team psychologist, who happens to be Diego Rossi's mother. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and it, and Weeby, if you're wrong, I'm going to sick. <laughs> I'm going to sick a goss on you. <laughs> Give him the old gabagool. <laughs> hey yo. One last note on Fuc- on Facundo Torres, though he did help his team win the league last year. Another important w- league winner coming into the MLS. <laughs> this is a talent. I've heard his name, but when is he going to come to MLS? Now he's coming. He's coming to Orlando. Orlando that could use somebody to score goals and do things. Uh, they got some talent there. There's things, but there's holes to be filled. Interested watching Orlando this season. Yeah, that's a lot of money, too. That's a big money move. It is, but he's a talent and he's young. If he performs, he could be sold for a pretty good chunk. Going out. That's what yeah. the U22's for. Oh, yeah. Get these for guys sure. at these rates and get them. A, they don't take that big a salary cap hit, so you can actually overspend outside of the salary cap to get these U22's. You better do your scouting right if you're going to do that. But the payoffs at the other end when you transfer them out could be large for these teams. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's where if you're smart, you're going for these U22 initiatives, you sign them for a fairly large transfer fee, and then you give them sell-on rights. That way, you know, they're more likely to 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 sell you the player because then if they grow in this league and then get sold on to like a lot of these southern southern american teams are looking to do, they sell a player to America in the MLS, they play in MLS and then they get sold on to Europe eventually or even somewhere over in in Asia and they play amazing soccer and get a big fee they get part of that with their sell-on fees like they get keep a percentage right. of that and it just keeps Smart coming move. in after years it's it's like a football pyramid scheme in sort of a way <laughs> mls more like mlm <laughs> <laughs> who's next on your list <laughs> we've got one more new announcement on this list and that's carlos salcedo makes an MLS return after being away for eight years. Toronto FC signs him away from Tigres in Liga MX. And we all know how hard it is to get a Liga MX, you know, 
player to come over here and actually do well. Well, SKC doesn't make it look too hard, but it's hard putting him on the field. Again, my bias is showing I'm sorry. But Salcedo, he spent time at Eintracht Frankfurt. He plays for he played for Fiorentina. He's played for Chivas. He's and then he started out in MLS at RSL. So he started here. He moved to Europe, moved around Europe, went back to, you know, back to Liga Mekis, and now he's here again. We'll see how this goes. It's coming full circle at this point. Over the summer, was it the Nations League or the Gold Cup? He's on L3. Uh, he was in the one of the games against the U.S. and kind of had a falling out with the coach. Hadn't played very well. There was rumors that he was having personal problems. Uh, led to the problem with Tigres. It it did seem he was getting back into form, but he was getting out of favor with the club, and he's trying to get back in with the national team. Maybe coming back in MLS is a way for him to settle himself. Get away from the pressure cooker of the media in Mexico. He can just come back and play in MLS without all that. So we'll see how it goes. This could be a very wise pickup, or it could be a disaster. But from Good the player. player from the player's perspective, a little bit of a homecoming and a little bit of a hard reset. Yeah. For sure. For sure. One hundred percent. He's still got he's still got game in him. Alright. Well, enough about stuff that's new this week. Let's talk about some things that we have confirmed from last week. We've got Justin Che, his loan to Hoffenheim is official. Sebastian Ferreira, we mentioned him moving to the dynamo. Official. Diego Valeri, who mentioned him moving to his boyhood club at Atlantis, confirmed. We mentioned Cole Bassett getting a loan over to Feyenoord, confirmed. Put it on the board! Moving along from confir- confirmations, we've got some re-signs and some extensions. First off, Victor Vasquez re-signs with the Galaxy. Knew that was going to happen. Breck Shea. Hey, remember when we remembered him on that Remembering Guys podcast like two months ago? <laughs> he re-signs with Inter Miami. Colorado Rapids re-signed Mark Anthony K to an extension. And who who had this on their MLS uh contract bingo card? Seattle reforms their backup Megazord that is Will Bruin, Freddie Montero, Alex Roldan, and Kellen Rowe all re-signing with Seattle. They're they they've got two Megazords and they've got a third one in their academy. We can just We'll just worry about that later. <laughs> what 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 a roster they've got going. They if they stay healthy, watch out. Uh, how many terminators was one team need? Uh, I th- I think if you're Seattle, you need all twenty three of your of your roster to be a terminator. Like that's a prereq of signing in Seattle. Apparently, <laughs> they got they got three in the midfield and two up front. And the captain of the El Salvador international team in the background, <laughs> along with a Cameroon international and a best 11 center back. And Freddie Montero, Kellen Rowe, and Will Bruin on the bench. And and kids coming up through the pipeline. It's, it's, it's really not surprising how Seattle is like quietly one of the most storied franchises around anymore. <laughs> it, it's a little they bit of a niche joke. Right. A little bit of a niche joke, but uh, there's an episode of Rick and Morty where they have the Gotron ferrets, and then they make the Gotron ferrets make the Gotron, and then the Gotrons make the Gotron, and that that's basically Seattle. That that whole pyramid is Seattle. 
<laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> Love now Rick and Morty. Now into the meat of tofu variety, as we'll call it. We're getting into the transfer rumors here. Start out with a big one here. Apparently, Wolfsburg is willing to spend $7 million for Kevin Paredes. How yeah, we feel Paredes, about that? exciting player. Uh, yeah, more than just a rumor, Pablo Mauro of The Athletic reports it's essentially done. That Paredes uh, said goodbye to the team, flew to Europe for a medical. Manuel Veth, the transfer market, also confirmed that. Uh, Paredes, big talent. Exciting player to watch. Not fully developed, but if he's on your team and they come in with a number like that while the MLS market is hot, take the money. Like I said before, it gives them the proof of concept by making a transfer in the international market. So more than just the money you make, it's what you can do in the future. It's a big deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's even more so evidenced by the fact that uh, this wasn't the first offer that that the team was given for Paredes. They were given a $3 million offer from Man City, and they turned him down. MLS doesn't just get big money for players anymore or at this point. We get to turn people away and wait for bigger money. Uh, Paredes is somebody that has the possibility, if he keeps on this track, of being talked about being on the roster to go Qatar for the World Cup a year from now. He's that kind of talent. Pretty big deal. Oh, for sure. Speaking of guys that are that might be on that roster, we've got a rumor about Paul Areola going to FC Dallas from DC United. And apparently, according to Stephen Goff, this is effectively finalized. We're just waiting on the announcement. It's looking like about 1.5 in, in GAM this year with various ex incentives. Incentives. I don't know why I said that. Incentives. And part of that is the fact that there's just a lot more allocation money out there these years because of the CPA up in the basement. Now, all in all, stretched over three years, this is looking like... Uh... 2.5 million and general allocation money, which gives the team a lot more freedom. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for a guy that doesn't necessarily put the ball in the net. I think he was eight and eight goals and assists this past season, though he did rank out for a uh, uh, non penalty XG at about 15th per 90 minutes in uh, MLS. Uh, I knew he had a really good season. I didn't think it was quite that good coming off of a knee injury. Uh, but he gives you so much outside of putting the ball in the net. His work rate, he always puts in a shift. He's always running. Uh, he's always there. He's always being a just a, a pest to the other team. There's a reason why Club America really wanted him. But GAM speaks more than actual dollars in the MLS verse. You get to keep the cam GAM, you got to split that transfer fee with the rest of the league. Take the GAM. Yeah, you basically just said what I wanted to say. But, I mean, I really like Paul Areola. I was just surprised to see such a bidding war for him, of all players. Um, But, yeah, like, if you can spend your Monopoly bucks and, and get them, you spend the Monopoly bucks. Paul Ariola is a coach's player. 
they ask a coach, who do you want to play on your side? I want this guy. No, he's not going to score the goals. He's not going to do that. But he's going to do the work. And when you tell him he's the role to play, he's going to do it. And not only is he going to do it, he's going to know what the other guys on the team are supposed to be doing as well and help you coach him on the field. He's a veteran. He's a coach's player. They will want him in. You know what you get from him, and you get it every game. And there is a lot to be said for that on-field manager type. And, and that consistency. You know, somebody that's great one game and awful the next. Coaches hate that. They want a guy that they know. He's going to give me a seven-star rating every game. Six, six to seven every game. Maybe better occasionally not, but every game I can count on, this is what I get out of him. Coach going to ride him in the lineup all the time. And let's say find somebody, give him one star better every game. And at that point, that's hard to find. Oh, yeah, for sure. I believe I believe the the, ter- the referred nomenclature here, dude, is uh, a coach's dream of the potentially moist variety. We'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. And you did. <laughs> and again, that word, moist. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to mark it explicit anyway now, because you said it. <laughs> moist. Don't say it like that. <laughs> all right. All right. Before we have to go and open up our own spicy website for this, let's move on to another another rumor here. Um, we have Atlanta apparently is tied with a move of Ezekiel Barco to River Plate. Who would have guessed River Plate picking another, poaching another MLS talent? Um, They really need to bring somebody in because they're moving on Tiago Almada for some big bucks. They need someone to replace that, obviously. So it looks like they're going after Barco from Atlanta. Yeah, because Inter-Miami told us that you can't have four or five DPs. Uh, it it, it kind of hurts the bottom line and future investments, so they really need to get rid of him. Uh, he's got skills. I don't think they equate to MLS. They may very well equate to the game in South America. And why not? He, he never fulfilled the money they spent on him. It's time for Atlanta United just to take the hit on that, ship him out, clear it out, see if Thiago uh, Almeida can really fulfill the promise he's also a big name in the western hemisphere game so they're moving and shaking they're playing big time with big boys here in the western hemisphere we only got a couple names left to talk about and we're going to start off with uh charlotte is apparently in the final stages of making a deal for carl carol swiderski from paok um, he's a Polish national player. He made his debut about a year ago and has six goals in 14 games for said national team. Now, keep in mind, this is also the national team that has Robert Lewandowski as their number one scorer. Never heard of So him. to come in and make that kind of a performance <laughs> on that team, things are looking good for this guy. This this might make Charlotte. I don't think Charlotte's going to end up like Cincy. We're going to that's I'm saying it right now. They're not going to end up like Cincy. Perhaps not. We'll find out. Might even Coming say, up in about four weeks. <laughs> and it seems like Charlotte doesn't even want to end like Austin, who for all all intents and purposes had a fairly respectable opening season. 
They want to play like Nashville. <laughs> no, no, they want to play like the Golden Knights coming into the NHL. <laughs> That's what they're gunning for is what I'm seeing from their absolute money moves they're making right now. I don't think they're going to hit those heady highs, but... Uh, we'll see. That could oh. be a hot take coming the start of the season. Is That's the hot take. From day one, they said they want to make the impact of Atlanta and LAFC. From day one. Well, they're showing it. Hmm? How they're going about it, I wonder. We'll see how it plays. Gotta wait till but... we see that team on the field. Who's next? We got two U.S. men's national team members for our last two. We're going to start off with Inter-Miami trying to make a homecoming for DeAndre Yedlin to come back to the MLS. Yedlin's agent says this isn't true. Yedlin isn't under contract with Galatasaray. Who knows? He may have other teams looking at him. He played this week for them. Uh, The rumors, there's been a lot of rumors in the past about Yedlin and what's happening in Turkey, and none of them have been true. Uh... He, by the way, he is del- was delayed getting back to the U.S. for these World Cup qualifiers because a blizzard hit Istanbul. I saw the videos. I didn't think blizzards like that hit Istanbul. Uh, but even the fact that uh, they bought him out on his contract may we're finding out may not be true. I more clarification will come be forthcoming on that. He also has. Other people interested in MLS and including even in the EPL for his services. So uh, we'll see how this shakes out. But uh, thought this was pretty firm and then very lately found out that uh, a lot of these rumors are pretty shaky. But it's something to keep an eye on. All these rumors just don't come out of nothing. So we'll see what's going on. And then last but certainly not least. We have the big boys over in the EPL, and by big boys, I mean small guns over at Arsenal, uh, <laughs> making a bid for the men's national team goalie of Matt Turner. Could join a nice long string of goalies that from keepers from the U.S. making the move across the pond, most recently Zach Steffen. Will he go the way of Zach Steffen? And if he does end up there, will he play? Or will he end up like Tim Howard, where he goes over and becomes an absolute talisman in net for the team who knows we'll see it may not even happen tim howard went to manchester united that didn't work out he went to everton and became a legend uh see if it works that way uh arsenal just signed ramsdale to a big contract just recently uh so i guess it really depends upon you know what's the money for the club and what does Matt Turner want? Do you want to play for Arsenal in your career? You know you're going to make bucks even if you're sitting on the bench. I mean, he's 27 years old. If he's making a move, make it now. 26, whatever he is. But is he going to play? I don't know. Zach Steffen doesn't play much. Yeah, same thing. Of course, you're also one bad injury away from starting like Zach Steffen is. One really stupid challenge by a striker from him starting for the best team, the EPL champions and favorites for the Champions League. That's how close Zach Steffen is to that position. 
So right. there's something right. said for being the backup at these teams. Oh, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, you also have to think about, you know, what what does the player want? What's best for them? And honestly, if uh, in my opinion, if Stefan, if not Stefan, if Turner's smart, he takes a move to a smaller club if he wants to make the jump where he'll start so he can stay in form. Because if I'm if I'm Matt Turner, I've shown that I can play at the national team level and be the solid back wall for this for that team. I want to stay in form so I can continue to do that for my country. And if you take the smaller the smaller team where you're going to be playing week in and week out, staying in form and proving you can play at an international level for your country, my opinion, that's the smart move. And look at where Matt Turner was a year ago, 18 months ago. Had a cult of following for being the best shot stopper in MLS history with the chief priest being Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com. And... Now he's challenging for starting for the national team and getting offers from Arsenal. And he started soccer very late for professional soccer players. Yeah, he get chance if this is real. Now this has gone quiet, haven't heard anything in a few days. But if it's real, you're Matt Turner. Take the money. Run. Run. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for me for transfers, rumors, and extensions. You guys got anything else? No, there's more out there. They're flying in all the time. Uh, DC United has got all that uh, money and things. They're trying to make moves. Dallas is still trying to make moves. They're on the market. There'll be more coming in. Uh, We got the Castellanos uh, thing going on. And who knows what else is going to happen. Windows... Closing soon, but, you know, there still could be something showing up all of a sudden out of nowhere, plucking some young MLS American that's full of athleticism that's barely played that we don't even hardly know, sign like Brian Reynolds over to Roma that comes out of this window. Yeah, we are really deep into a very hot stove. It's got to wrap up soon because MLS season's what, less than four weeks away? Going to be a busy season. We got that crunched up. We've got World Cup qualifying going now uh, and, and then again in March. At the end of the MLS season, it really gets crunch time. We got the World Cup and the roster bill for St. Louis City SC. It's going to be a very busy 2022 for us and for all fans of uh, soccer and for all fans of St. Louis City SC. We're really looking forward to it. The offseason really hasn't seemed as long as we thought it would be, huh? <laughs> no. Oh, I knew it'd be short. I knew it'd be short. Well, I think that's enough. I think we gave you enough to listen to for a week. Uh, I am your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave hooligan, Sean Campbell. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.